Thanks for joining us in the spring of 2022 for the Adult Study Guide podcast. This quarter, Brother Mark Clements is going to guide us through the books of Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The nation of Israel, while far from perfect, demonstrates for the Bible student God's high standards for his people, how we fail miserably at meeting those standards, and finding grace in Jesus. So grab your copy of the Adult Study Guide or your Bible and study along with Brother Mark. Today's lesson is entitled, The Behavior of Israel from Deuteronomy 12, 1 through 3, 14, 2, and 18, 15 through 18. Our application today is, the student will learn that as God gave Israel laws for living in the promised land, he also wishes to regulate our lifestyles. Seeking the context. When the churches in Galatia needed guidance on how to live freely in the Spirit, Paul wrote and urged them to abandon legalistic religion which had no power to transform lives. The way to accomplish this, Paul wrote, was to walk in the Spirit instead of the flesh. A person who has the indwelling Holy Spirit and walks according to His power will manifest completely different behavior than someone who has not been born again. Works of the flesh include, among others, uncleanness, immorality, strife, and divisions, whereas the fruit of the Spirit includes love, joy, peace, and kindness. Galatians 5, 19-23. Paul wrote that the children of God would exhibit strikingly different behaviors than unbelievers because of the presence of God in their lives. In today's text, Moses expressed the same distinctions that should exist between Israel and the people of the land to which they were going. In his second sermon, Moses expounded on the commandments that had received from God, giving the people practical steps to follow in fulfilling God's desires for them. Just as there should be observable differences between the way a believer lives his life as opposed to an unbeliever, God reminded Israel that they were to be separately distinct from the nations surrounding them. Why would it matter whether Israel remained distinct? As opposed to every other nation, Israel was handpicked by God himself to shine the glory of God for the world to see. It would be through Israel that Jesus would come and offer salvation to the world. God called Israel to play a unique role in the history of salvation, so their representation of him to the world was important. The same is true of Christians today. As we look at today's text, we will observe the practical ways Moses challenged God's people to live out their faith. They were called to fight against idolatry, to remember their identity, and to obey the leaders God would give them. These principles we will glean from Moses' instruction. These principles will also apply to our own lives as God's children. We have been called by God to salvation for the purpose of glorifying Him in this world. Today we will learn how to accomplish that purpose. What happens when we live according to our fleshly instincts? Searching the text. Number one, commit to holiness. Deuteronomy 12, 1, 2, and 3. These are the statutes and judgments which ye shall observe to do in the land which the Lord God of thy fathers giveth thee to possess it all the days that ye live upon the earth. Ye shall utterly destroy all the places wherein the nations which ye shall possess serve their gods, upon the high mountains and upon the hills and under every green tree. 
And ye shall overthrow their altars, and break their pillars, and burn their groves with fire. And ye shall hew down the graven images of their gods, and destroy the names of them out of the place. Religion among the Canaanites was obsessed with a focus on fertility. The leaders of false religions had set up worship centers for their gods all over the region, mostly in the hills, mountains, and under large trees. These places of idol worship drew people consistently because participation satisfied many fleshly lusts. Even Israelite men had been seduced into idol worship, so an honest evaluation of the danger of false religion required a commitment to obeying the Lord and purging the land from idolatry. As Moses reiterated the law of God, he challenged the people to do everything God had demanded when they moved into their new homeland. The people could no longer claim ignorance as to the proper behavior God expected. God had demonstrated his love and supernatural ability to lead his people. He had also shown them his trustworthiness to prosper his people when they loved him with their whole being. Now that Moses had relayed to the people God's statutes along with his own commentary, they were expected to obey. Israel's commitment to walking in holiness not only included their observance of God's law, but of necessity also required them to root out idolatry in the land. As God's people would begin to enter the land of Canaan, it would only be a matter of time before they encountered people, places, or relics committed to the worship of false gods. The Canaanites would probably protest the destruction of their places of worship, and the Israelites might have been tempted to leave them alone. God was very specific, though, on how he wanted his people to treat places of idol worship. Moses used the words overthrow, break, burn, hew down, and destroy to describe Israel's actions toward centers of idol worship. God did not want Israel to leave even a remnant of idolatry in the new land. Every idol, every altar, Every building and everything else that was used to worship idols was to be completely demolished. God knew that if they left any piece of false worship intact, it would have the potential to become a stumbling block for throwing God's people into idolatry. God has not changed his ideas or approaches toward idolatry's influence today. God still demands that his people commit to holiness, since we represent him and live for his glory. This means we recognize that our life purpose is doing His will. In order to maintain the steady course of holiness, we also must ambitiously root out any semblances of idolatry in our lives, whether tangible or intangible. While we may not be tempted to worship a statue in the woods, we do have elements in our lives which cause us to stumble into sin or take our eyes off Jesus. Anything that hinders our walk with God must be eliminated. What hinders your growth into holiness? Number two, remember your identity. Deuteronomy 14, 2. For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God, and the Lord hath chosen thee to be a peculiar people unto himself above all the nations that are upon the earth. When I drove my son's car one day, I noticed he had placed a sticker on his window that allows him to park his vehicle on the college campus. The sticker identifies him as a student, which gives him certain privileges non-students do not have. His credentials as a student at that college is just one of the identities he holds. And there are some specific benefits, but it is not his most important identity. 
Similarly, God reminded Israel of their most important identity, namely the people of God. In the middle of explaining how to follow God's law, Moses plugged a powerful reminder to the people of their special place in God's eyes. He told them they were holy, consecrated to Jehovah, their God. They had been selected by God himself as a treasured possession, elected by him above every other people group on earth. Everything Israel would do should stem from their identity as God's people. Our behavior often stems from our perceived identity. So much devastation has been caused to people bearing God's image who have been taught that their behavior and desires determine their identity. People who conflate their desires with their identity cannot easily be confronted for their behavior, else they perceive the correction as a personal attack of their identity, which, they will say, cannot be changed. Of all the identities you and I may hold, for Christians, our identity as children of God must be primary. We cannot forget who we are. We are God's own people, purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ, sealed by the Holy Spirit, and consecrated for God's glory. God wanted Israel to see themselves, not primarily as belonging to a specific tribe, as a worker of a certain occupation, as a member of a family, or even as liberated slaves. The supreme identity of the people to which Moses spoke, which should have been their major motivation for God-honoring behavior, was their identity as children of God. If you are a child of God, your citizenship in His kingdom is more important than any other citizenship, role, job, or credential you may hold. What are some practical ways you can remind yourself of your identity as a child of God? Number three, follow God-called leaders. Deuteronomy 18, 15 through 18. The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me. Unto him ye shall hearken. According to all that thou desirest of the Lord thy God in Horeb in the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, neither let me see this great fire any more, that I die not. And the Lord said unto me, They have well spoken that which they have spoken. I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren, like unto thee, and will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. Because he misrepresented the Lord when he struck the rock for water instead of speaking to it, Moses was destined to suffer the same outcome as the older generation in the wilderness. He would not be permitted to enter the promised land. Numbers 20, 10 through 12. At this end stage of Moses' life, he had no doubt accumulated several critics. There were probably several people who did not like him, envied him, or refused to honor him. But Moses was the only leader the people had known. It was Moses who spoke to Pharaoh, demanding their deliverance. It was Moses who spoke the commands to leave Egypt. Moses had interceded for the people to God constantly, and he was the one who explained the law. When the Lord began speaking to the people, they became fearful of his booming voice and asked Moses to relay the message of God instead. Israel may not have fully appreciated the role Moses had played in leading them to deliverance, but now he would step aside as they prepared to undertake the next step in obedience. God knew what he was doing when he selected Moses to be his spokesman. Moses certainly possessed some of the qualities God desired, 
but he was only successful as a leader because of the strength and grace of God. The quality required to lead at God's behest was humble surrender to God. Moses would not lead Israel into the promised land, but that did not mean the people would be without direction. God had already begun raising up another man who would take over in Moses' absence. Joshua would have God's hand upon him, and he would be obedient to the word of God as Moses was. Spiritual leadership was an absolute necessity, and God provided it. God has similarly gifted New Testament churches with spiritual leaders who are called by him and surrendered to his will. These gifted leaders in our churches obey the will of God in equipping the saints for the work of the ministry, in the edification of churches, and in the spiritual growth of members that leads to unity and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 4, 11-14 Just as Moses had his detractors from time to time, a church leader will face criticism and skepticism as he seeks to carry out God's will. Like Moses, a church's leader will sin and fall short periodically. If church members are convinced of their leader's calling and commitment to God, they will give thanks to God for his gift of leadership. Our spiritual leaders carry heavy responsibility and desperately need our prayerful support. They also need encouragement and accountability as they do their best to lead. If we have faithful leaders in our churches, we should thank God for his provision and follow their leadership. How can you best honor your spiritual leaders? Setting the application. God had high standards for his children in comparison to every other nation. He had given Israel very specific laws regarding what kinds of food they could eat, how they were to treat each other, how they were to worship, and even how they were to dress. Israel broke these laws often, but the laws were given to demonstrate the holiness of God and the great mercy he shows towards those who come to him in repentance and faith. The behavior of God's people should be like a trophy that gleams with brilliance, showing the onlooker what God has done. Everyone has sin in common, but only the people of God have a testimony of God's redemption that transforms their lives. People are watching, looking for evidence of transformation, of peculiarity that demonstrates holiness. Is there a noticeable difference in the way God's people live compared to the way unbelievers live? There should be. There will be a difference in observable behavior if Christians commit to holiness, which includes obeying God's word and rooting out idolatry in their lives. Believers will be distinct as they make decisions based upon their identity in Christ instead of any other identity they may hold, and as they follow their spiritual leaders. What impact does godly living have in your home, church, and community? Thanks for listening to another lesson on the Adult Study Guide podcast. We will catch you next week for another lesson in this great quarter. Until then, join us daily on our daily devotional blog at www.bogardpress.org.